0: Welcome to Father Kyle's homilies. This is the homily that I gave on August 20th, 2023. I'm starting a series of homilies on the mass. I apologize in advance. I thought I had my recording set up uh, good and well. Well, when I recorded it, it recorded at such a low level that when I had boosted the volume, there was all of this extra hiss, so it doesn't have the greatest sound quality. I'm hoping that by next week, all of those things will be taken out, and uh, we'll continue with the series. Enjoy. Today, we're going we're gonna to hit the beginning note. The, before we can really go into the details of the Mass, we, we need to ask two questions. What is the Mass, and why do we celebrate it? What is the Mass, first question. It's what uh, the church would say, it is a Eucharistic sacrifice. I think for most of us, you kind of connect the Mass to two particular things. One, the preaching of the homily, and two, the reception of communion. I think most people, when they say, I'm going to Mass, that's usually what they're thinking about. Now, a little bit of history on the homily. The homily was... uh, is a rather, like as a general thing that happens every Sunday, is rather new in the life of the 200, 2,000 2, year history of the church. It was only mandated that every Sunday the homily be preached at the Second Vatican Council in the 60s. For some of you, you might be old enough to remember that when the priest celebrated mass and he would do the homily, he would make the sign of the cross at the beginning of the homily and at the end of the homily. That was because in the old form of the Mass, the homily was not understood to be part of the Mass. He was like, he stopped the Mass, did the homily, and then started up again. Sort of like he was stopped to give commentary. Um, and for, for a lot of the life of the Church, it happened that many priests weren't able to give homilies. You, you, you're familiar with the idea of a mission, right? Like a, a priest would come, or somebody would come to preach. Well, the reason those existed is because a lot of priests back in the day didn't have the faculty or the ability to preach. And so the religious priests would go around, and they would have missions, and that's when the preaching would occur. Right? Way different from our experience, right? Way different from our experience. So the the homilies are a rather new thing. The second thing, right, communion. We even call it First Communion. And we kind of focus on the reception of the sacrament, the reception of the Eucharist. But that's really the fruit that's eaten. But in order for us to have the fruit, there has to be the roots and the tree and the branches and the sun and the water and the nutrients, all of these things. And then the fruit needs to stay on the branch for a while for it to ripen before we can even eat it. There's a lot more involved within the Mass than those two things. So, what is the Mass? Well, essentially, what happens is that here on the altar, we experience again the sacrifice of Calvary. When you walk into church, you walk into a time machine and by the mystery and the power of God, we are brought back to the day of Calvary and experience again what happened on the cross. The church uses the phrase, it is represented. It's not a new sacrifice. It's the same sacrifice that happened on the cross. And we drink of it again and again and again. And it happens. We're like brought back and experience it. We can do that in our memory with regards to a memory, but what God does is he makes that memory real. Obviously we can't see it. (laughs) It's veiled from our eyes because of original sin, because we cannot perceive with our eyes spiritual realities. So what does God do? God chooses to give everything that we need through physical realities, because let's be honest, everything that we know is because we've received it through our senses. You do not, you right, are not going to trust anybody that says I got a premonition, right? They're going to say that, and you're going to be like, Yeah, okay, I, I, I get you. Yeah, you're crazy. Uh, <laughs> 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 right? We'll see that, like. Like, nothing that we can't receive with our senses. That's how we receive everything. Everything that we know. We've read, we've heard, we've tasted, we've experienced. We know because it's through our senses. And so God knows this. That's how he created us. And so he gives us his grace, and he gives us everything that we need, again, through our senses. Not through some merely spiritual reality, but from a physical reality with physical things. and altar and chubby little hobbit priest. (laughs) Because that's how he communicates. And what he does is then he makes all of that real. That's what a sacrament is. A sacrament is taking something, a symbol, and making that symbol reality. And you're like, Father, that doesn't make sense. Well, of course the days not make sense. The only way that that happens is through the seven sacraments. <laughs> it doesn't happen in other parts of your life. It's the supernatural life, not the natural life. In the natural life, if that were to happen, we would freak out because the stop sign would make us stop. Talk about the accidents people would happen. <laughs> you wouldn't be running through any stop sign anymore. <laughs> if the stop sign could go, stop! Just wanted to make sure you're awake. That's what he does, right? And in this sacrifice, he does three things. He does much more, but there's three things mostly that the church talks about. First, we're forgiven of our sins. We're freed from our sin by the sacrifice. We experience that through the sacrament of baptism. We experience that through the Eucharist, and especially through the sacrament of reconciliation. Two, he brings us back into communion with God. back into communion, that that, that that which was destroyed by the original sin when God kicked Adam and Eve. With the symbol of communion with God was being in Eden. And they were kicked out. So they were no longer in communion with him. But what also happened is that man was no longer in communion with himself. Right? What is the first thing that happened with Adam and Eve after, after they committed the original sin? God said, where are you? And Adam goes, it's her fault, <laughs> right? Right? Division already exists. And then she's like, no, it's the snake's fault. He's uh, like, nobody wants to take blame. So not only is there a weird division between man and God, but man with himself. And then also not only man with himself, but also man with all of creation. And so we're brought into the with all of creation. right? that's sort of like blaming the snake. were brought into communion and back into the fullness of our life as human beings. Okay. Okay. Heaven, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I just dropped the word. And then when you walk through that door, not only is this a time machine, you also enter into the heavenly kingdom for a brief moment. What we experience here at Mass is that we're drawn out of time into eternity. If you read the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation, and I'll go through this as we continue, describes the heavenly liturgy. And what we are doing here is celebrating the heavenly liturgy here on earth. We are brought, like earth and heaven collide in the space. And you're like, oh, I don't know about you, but I don't see any angels anywhere. Yeah. Again, original sin. We can't perceive spiritual realities. But just because we can't perceive them doesn't mean they're not actually there. That's why the church puts images everywhere as a reminder that we're in heaven. What does the church put images of? The saints. Where are the saints? Yeah, they're in heaven. That's why we have the statues to remind us, hey, I'm in heaven. (laughs) At least for a small moment. to have lost both of my tassels. ADD, hope, view focus. Heaven, we're also in heaven. And then finally, what's the final thing with that? Oh yes, so that's why I have my notes. Uh, Finally, the what of the Mass is that it is the fountain of God's grace. God is pouring infinite amounts of grace upon us from the time we make the sign of the cross until the time we make the sign of the cross at the end of Mass. He's pouring forth constant grace through the reading of the scriptures, through, the, through, the, through our singing, through our communal prayer, through the, the celebration of the Eucharistic liturgy, through the sacrifice that's happening, and through our reception of Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. He's pouring all of this grace on us. It's like, it's like trying to drink from a, from a, uh, a fire hose. Our hearts just don't have the capacity yet to handle But every time we go to Mass, if we allow it, it can grow a little bit more. So that's the what? The why? Why do we celebrate Mass? Well, first of all, because Jesus told us to. (laughs) The night before he died, he celebrated the Last Supper and instituted the Eucharist. He said, do this in memory of me. And if you read the Acts of the Apostles, the early church, the the apostles would celebrate the breaking of the bread, which is a euphemism for the celebration of the Mass. The breaking of the bread every day. In honor of that. Now, you're not required to go to Mass every day, although Mass happens every day around the world. You are required to go every Sunday. There's a reason that it's on Sunday, because Sunday is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus changed everything. Everything was made new, everything was transformed, not only with his birth, not only with his death, but especially in his resurrection. History was transformed that day. And he made this day holy. Whereas before, God declared that it be holy. He said, make, make the Sabbath holy. But Jesus did it. And we observe that. But it's not only the first day of the week where like initiate the rest of our week in the celebration of the resurrection, but it's also the eighth day. You ever thought about that? As Catholics, we think about now, and we also think about eternity. And when we think about eternity, we look forward to what is to come. Part of the reason that we celebrate Mass every Sunday and why the church demands, by pain of sin, to go to Mass every Sunday, is that it is anticipating the Heavenly Kingdom. We're looking forward to what our end will be. Because let's be honest, we need to be reminded constantly how often over the course of our week are we just, dis- I gotta do this, and I gotta do this and, I gotta do this, and then I gotta do this, and then I gotta do this, and then I gotta finish this, and then I gotta finish this, and then I gotta finish this. And then we get to Mass on Sunday and we're like, oh, when is this how am I gonna end? I just wanna take a nap. We're only gonna spend 80, 90, a really healthy 100 years on this earth. Yeah, exactly. Chewbacca, baby. But we're going to spend all eternity somewhere. So the church, knowing our weakness, knowing the fact that we get squirrel distracted, To, be, to give us our health and to ensure our good, she asks us that we come, not ask, demands that we come every Sunday to be reminded of where God desires us to go, of what is our hope, of what is our end. And then finally, and this final point is not so much for you because you're sitting in the pew right now. This final point is primarily for the people that you know that are not sitting in the pew right now. You ask somebody, hey, why don't you go to church anymore? Ah, oh, I don't need to go to church. God's present everywhere. Heard somebody say that? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, I don't. I don't need to go to church, I can find God, I can find God in the woods while I'm going hunting on the water while I'm going fishing. I can't find God in the garden. Those are all true. But to truly understand the power of what is going on, we have to look at nature as it is. And in nature, there are hierarchies everywhere. There are things that are greater and things that are lesser. There is, in nature, there is a food chain. There are some things that eat other things, and those things are eaten by other things, and everything else is eaten by us. And we're even eaten by things sometimes. Don't go swimming with sharks. (laughs) Right, there's a food chain. There's also a hierarchy of plants, right? You have small plants, you have big plants, you have redwoods. You have little microorganism plants. You have all sorts of different things, and there's small ones and there's big ones. There's big, smeeds, big seeds and small seeds. There's even a hierarchy naturally within the family. The parents are over the children. Then you have the oldest child and the middle child. God bless the middle child. Then the youngest child. Right? And there's that hierarchy, and we recognize the brokenness of a family when the children are the ones that are running the family. <laughs> oh, come on, dude. <laughs> That's a little bit anticipatory, my friend. <laughs> there's, there's a hierarchy in your office. There's a hierarchy within the church. There's a hierarchy in heaven. There are people that are closer to God. There's a hierarchy of angels. There's lower angels and higher angels. So with that understanding that everything in nature has a hierarchy, it is the same with God's presence. There is a hierarchy of God's presence. The lowest, basest presence of God is God present in nature and in the world in general because he keeps everything in being. He is present because he's thinking about it. That we get to experience his creative effort. And he's there in his creative effort. But that's no different than experiencing the, the painting of The Starry Night by Vincent van Gogh. We get to experience his creativity, but we don't get to experience him. That's different than seeing him off in the distance, or seeing him up close, or even having a conversation. Like, those are different levels of intimacy. But when we come to here, to celebrate the liturgy, there's a deeper presence than just his presence in nature. He says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. That is a deeper presence than his regular presence within all of creation. And furthermore, he's even more present in the word because that's his very word speaking to us. Even more than that, he's present to us in the priest. By virtue of the sacrament that I received in holy orders, my soul was radically changed. It was reoriented so that I could act by virtue of God's grace, not by anything that I have done, but by virtue of God's grace to act in the person of Christ. When I'm preaching, when I'm celebrating the liturgy, and especially when I speak the words of consecration, when I speak the words of absolution, when I speak the words of baptism, anointing of the sick. I am not just a symbol of God's presence, but am, by virtue of ordination, God's presence to you. the Phoebus' presence, of course, His His body, blood, soul, and divinity really, truly, and substantially present. It's not merely a symbol, it is reality. Our eyes just cannot see it. That is why we go to Mass. Because he said so. Because we need it, and because we can't get any closer to heaven than in this space, in this time, right now. So here's my invitation to this group: one of two things, have a convers—either way, have a conversation in your family, with those that are here with you right now, about how you notice God's presence in the liturgy. Because I bet you you'll be surprised at what you hear. Really? I didn't know that. Well, you never asked. (laughs) Or, and or, have a conversation with somebody who's not here about how powerful the presence is of God in this place, in this time, for you. Not just in a general way, but for you. And if that's still not deeply there, then in your prayer, ask God to reveal Himself to you. Because He's here, He's present, He's active, He's moving. Our eyes just cannot see it. And our senses just cannot feel it. But just because they're not they're not doing that doesn't mean that it's not happening. A beautiful thing. So over the next few months we're gonna dive deeper into the, all the different parts of the mass. But It helps to kind of hit hit this basis first.